Greetings, brothers and sisters in Christ. Welcome to another episode of the Innocence Redeemed podcast. I'm your host, Ray Berkman, and the title of today's message is called Spiritual Blindness versus the Holy Spirit. Guys, I'm not going to do a long intro this morning. I'm going to just get right into it. And I find the easiest way to get into this is to demonstrate how so many are asleep and what they're willing to do and put up with and how they're willing to treat others. This is going to lead to the persecution. And so I'm going to use this whole thing with the vaccine and the holidays to get into it. I've talked about this before in the forbearance and how it will lead to the persecution. And this, I believe, is going to be where it's going. And it's important that we understand why so many are spiritually asleep at the wheel. They can't hear and they can't see because they really don't have Jesus in their lives. And if they do, they're greatly deceived about who he was and what he would do. Now, as many of you know, we find ourselves in a season where much division has been occurring, and these continue to escalate. I read an article just before Thanksgiving where half of families in the United States were divided over letting someone into their home if they had not had the vaccine, and they were going to make them take a test. And this is expected to continue well through the Christmas season, providing something else isn't perpetrated on the public who continue to go along with this evil agenda. Anyone who's been going through this knows it's true, and some families are even expecting their supposed loved ones to take a test before entering their home, even if the rest of the family has already been marked. I mean, I'm, you know, vaccinated. You would think this is a joke if there wasn't a clip I found from CBS this morning where they're actually suggesting this method, and then they're laughing about it. Take a listen. It might be a difficult conversation before people step into your house to say, whoa, wait a minute, where's your card, what's your status, before you walk into my home. This is tough because people are all over the map on this, and they're also all over the map with their risk tolerance. But the rapid tests have made this a lot easier. Right. Because whatever people's vaccination status is, we can actually confirm safety on the spot. So if it feels like it's going to be weird, maybe make it kind of fun. Say we're going to start with hors d'oeuvres in the garage. You know, we'll have drinks. (laughs) We'll do our rapid test. And then come on in, right? You can make it playful, make it fun, and then be able to enjoy the holiday because you're not worried about safety. All right. Yeah. What about stamina? Uh, (laughs) It's it's a long, it's a four-day weekend. Uh, Should you suggest people get on the road on Friday? (laughs) You know, this is hard. I mean, we're out of practice. We're out of practice with being together. We're out of the practice with being with lots of people. Yeah, we're out of practice, all right. But that's exactly the way you want it. So their answer is to project the virtue out to millions through the news, knowing, full well knowing, the spiritually blind and deaf will accept these instructions and use them on their loved ones, even as they're laughing at you. (laughs) That laugh is evil and disgusting. It's demonic just the way Hillary Clinton would laugh when she was running for president. Perhaps we need a refresher, because it sounds exactly the same. It's the same spirit behind it all. They won't be laughing when the judgments are on their way, and those are already starting to go into effect. There have been warning shots fired, and they're going to find out just how funny it is when they're the ones who are risking death, and they already are, and they don't even know it. They're playing with fire, and they're going to be destroyed in the fire because the word says so. We know who's going to have the last word on this one. But that's just an example right there to show you 
how expendable and how foolish they think everybody is, and how much in contempt they regard us, in that they're willing to manipulate loved ones, manipulate friends, manipulate employers against their employees. But then again, all these employers, they're also proving we were just a number. Just like our loved ones are saying, well, if you don't take this COVID test at the door, you're not coming to Thanksgiving. Just the same hypocrisy. Let's have the mask on while we're not eating, but we can take the masks off when we're eating. Forget the fact that we just touched all the food. And forget the fact that we're all sitting at the table talking. Or are they not? You see, these are the type of tactics that get used against people. And then those who have gotten in on it, they're prideful, and they're buying up the lies. They are so prideful, even if they realize that they have been had in a lie, they're willing to believe it. That's how deceived they really are. And that's going to be the topic of this podcast today. It's going to be pointing out why people believe these things and why others, the rest of us, can see everything for what it is. Because we have the Holy Spirit. We're not spiritually blind. We have Jesus. We know we need a Savior. Most people who are arrogant and prideful, they don't believe that they need a Savior. And so in this podcast, I'm going to be laying that out. I'm going to be going through examples of what Jesus taught about the blind and deaf, the sheep who hear him, those essentially who hear their shepherd Jesus, and those who don't. Then I'm going to be getting into the Holy Spirit, why people can't have wisdom, why they have no discernment, as to the times we're in. There's many Christians out there, and unfortunately many, they are greatly deceived because they go to a church or they only believe halfway. They'll believe in Jesus and that he shed his blood when he was crucified on the cross and was ascended into heaven, and he'll come again. But then there's those who want to omit the things that Jesus prophesied about. They want to omit God's word, and they don't want to admit that these times were prophesied. And you can't believe only half of the testimony of Jesus. If you accept Jesus in your heart, then you accept everything about him. And you do your best to live in his ways. Chastising your family and being divided and believing lies and deception, that's not full belief. When we look at Hosea chapter 4, verse 6, God said, My people are being destroyed because they don't know me. Since you priests refuse to know me, I refuse to recognize you as my priests. That's those who do the teachings, but they really don't know their God, and they're omitting the word. And when you move further on in Hosea 4.6, since you have forgotten the laws of your God, that's his people and the priests alike, which I've done a teaching on before, I will forget to bless your children. That means his children are essentially lost. There's no hope for them, because they still, no matter what's going on around them, do not believe. And when you move on to verse 7, still in Hosea 4, The more priests there are, the more they sin against me. They have exchanged the glory of God for the shame of idols. Verse 8. When the people bring their sin offerings, the priests get fed. So the priests are glad when people sin. So the priests and the false prophets and the false pastors, they're all about lining their pockets. They're not sitting here like I am telling you what you need to know. The truth of what's really happening in the world. And that's why I don't have a problem showing you what's going on. I don't care if it's offensive, because I'd rather you be offended into heaven. We don't have time to be playing, guys. I've told you this before. And I take what I do very seriously. I'm stunned at the lack of the feedback, honestly, sometimes. But I hope that means that just my message is being effective. But moving on to verse 9, still Hosea 4. And what the priests do, the people also do. 
So now I will punish both priests and people for their wicked deeds. And that's exactly where we are today. People are confused. They're not getting the truth. And so they're treating others in ways that are unchristlike. That's the spirit of Antichrist. Because they're not getting fed the correct information. The sheep are not being fed. And so they're lost and they're wandering. And they're doing what is the opposite of what Jesus taught. You know, Jesus told us the parable of division. And you can find that in Luke chapter 12, verses 51 through 53. Starting on verse 51. Do you think that I have come to bring peace to the earth? No, I tell you, but division. From now on, five in one household will be divided. Three against two and two against three. They will be divided, father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. And the reason that they are divided is because half believe the truth in Christ, half believe his prophecies, they believe God's word, they're walking in his ways, and the other half simply don't. No, they don't because they are lukewarm. You are either hot or you're cold. The book of Revelation, chapter 3, verses 15 through 19 say, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich, and white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with the eye of salve, that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Now let's focus on verse 18 there for a moment. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire. That means you are buying the truth in Jesus. That means you are building up your treasure in heaven. You are doing the works that you may be rich and your sins, though they were as red as crimson, are going to be washed clean and they are white garments so that you may be clothed so that you have no guilt when you stand before the Lord because you accept his testimony and you accept him that he heals your sins and redeems you from those sins. That's what it says, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. And Anoint your eyes with salve that you may see. And I'm going to get to that in just a minute. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. That means you see your sin and you're turning away from it. You're anointing your eyes with salve. That means salvation that you may see. You accept the full truth in Jesus. And going back to the white garments, that means your sins are also washed in the blood of Jesus. They are washed away. Everything begins anew, new life in Christ. You're not participating in the way the world is anymore. So if you're hot, you accept the Lord's full testimony. And that full testimony of Christ is also that you also accept that Jesus too prophesied. You live for him and do his will because you believe what the word says. You believe what his word says. You cannot omit the words of Jesus Christ and say that you accept one part but don't believe the other, just because it doesn't paint a picture of a perfect, pretty world. This false sense of safety that everybody's following, it's trying to paint that picture of a world where everybody can live in utopia and everything's perfect and there's no worry, we're going to keep you safe. That is not the truth in the world. The world is full of lies and deceit. And the reality is, 
the world is a very dangerous place, and we do not fight against flesh and blood, although those are bad enough as it is. No, as Ephesians 6 verse 12 says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age. Note it says this age. Against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. And that is what makes the world so dangerous, is the wickedness that tries to take advantage of well-meaning people that do not see. They mean well, but their actions are not of that, and they have lost their belief. They may have been raised with the right morals. They may have gone to church at one point. But at some point, they decided, well, religion's old school. I don't need it anymore. Or Christianity is unnecessary, you know, because let me just do what I want. And I'm going to buy this part of the truth, but I'm not going to accept the other part. You know, this is all the more reason that the Lord says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich, accept his refining and that he may cleanse you of your sins. That means he wants to give you spiritual riches. He wants to refine you. He wants to refine your faith. He wants you to be saved. He doesn't want anyone to be destroyed. And all these things that you're being shown are ways he's trying to get your attention. But how many are not hearing him? They're just going on about believing the devil's lies. They think that there's nothing wrong. And they don't notice how they're even treating others. No, you need to get your spiritual riches through Jesus Christ. And the only way to do that is accept him in your heart and accept his full testimony. Both of what he's showing you here is wicked on earth and the things he's trying to show you in heavenly places that are spiritual. When people are deceived, they don't believe what the word says. They don't believe the truth in Christ. And if you don't accept all of the truth in Jesus, you're lukewarm. It's not cookie cutter, folks. That means you accept the whole testimony of the Lord's crucifixion and the shedding of his blood for our sins and the truth that he was resurrected and will come again, in which then you also accept his prophecies to judge the living and the dead. Or again, like I said earlier, you don't accept it. You can't be in the middle. You either believe it or you don't. And in accepting one part of it and then not the other, then you're lukewarm. You either accept it all or you accept none of it. Now, in the book of John, chapter 9, we read of Jesus healing the blind man. And when you listen to this, I want you to remember the verse I just read a moment ago from Revelation 3, verse 18, where it says, Anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. Because this is pertinent to what you are about to hear from John, chapter 9, which I'm going to play for you now. The book of John. Chapter 9. Jesus Heals a Man Born Blind As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. We must quickly carry out the tasks assigned us by the one who sent us. The night is coming, and then no one can work. But while I am here in the world, I am the light of the world. Then he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. He told him, Go wash yourself in the pool of Salome. Salome means scent. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. His neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, Isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said he was, and others said, No, he just looks like him. But the beggar kept saying, Yes, I am the same one. They asked, 
Who healed you? What happened? He told them, The man they called Jesus made mud and spread it over my eyes and told me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. So I went and washed, and now I can see. Where is he now? They asked. I don't know, he replied. Then they took the man who had been blind to the Pharisees, because it was on the Sabbath that Jesus had made the mud and healed him. The Pharisees asked the man all about it. So he told them, He put the mud over my eyes, and when I washed it away, I could see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man Jesus is not from God, for he is working on the Sabbath. Others said, But how could an ordinary sinner do such miraculous signs? So there was a deep division of opinion among them. Then the Pharisees again questioned the man who had been blind and demanded, What's your opinion about this man who healed you? The man replied, I think he must be a prophet. The Jewish leaders still refused to believe the man had been blind and could now see. So they called in his parents. They asked them, Is this your son? Was he born blind? If so, how can he now see? His parents replied, We know this is our son and that he was born blind, but we don't know how he can see or who healed him. Ask him, he is old enough to speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had announced that anyone saying Jesus was the Messiah would be expelled from the synagogue. That's why they said, He is old enough, ask him. So for the second time, they called in the man who had been blind and told him, God should get the glory for this because we know this man Jesus is a sinner. I don't know whether he is a sinner, the man replied, but I know this. I was blind and now I can see. But what did he do? They asked. How did he heal you? Look, the man exclaimed. I told you once. Didn't you listen? Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they cursed him and said, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know God spoke to Moses, but we don't even know where this man comes from. Why, that's very strange, the man replied. He healed my eyes, and yet you don't know where he comes from. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but he is ready to hear those who worship him and do his will. Ever since the world began, no one has been able to open the eyes of someone born blind. If this man were not from God, he couldn't have done it. You were born a total sinner, they answered. Are you trying to teach us? And they threw him out of the synagogue. Spiritual blindness. When Jesus heard what had happened, he found the man and asked, Do you believe in the Son of Man? The man answered, Who is he, sir? I want to believe in him. You have seen him, Jesus said, and he is speaking to you. Yes, Lord, I believe, the man said, and he worshipped Jesus. Then Jesus told him, I entered this world to render judgment, to give sight to the blind, and to show those who think they see that they are blind. Some Pharisees who were standing nearby heard him and asked, Are you saying we're blind? If you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty, Jesus replied. But you remain guilty because you claim you can see. And that's the same kind of unbelief we see now. The Pharisees still did not believe, though, the man 
was not able to see, and Jesus healed him right there. And he anointed him with his salvation. I mean, it's sort of the same way now with certain pastors out there who say Jesus would have taken the vaccine, or those who are living in fear, and they go ahead and do the demands of whatever they're told because they're being scared and they don't believe that they have a savior who can protect them. Let me pose a question. Why would Jesus have taken the vaccine when he healed? He healed the lame. He healed the blind. He healed the deaf. I mean, do they not believe? You know, we can sum this up when we take a look at Matthew chapter 9, verses 10 through 13, when Jesus was dining with the sinners and tax collectors. And at that time, the apostle Matthew was a tax collector until Jesus told him to follow him. And he used the parable of being a physician. Starting on verse 10, Now it happened, as Jesus sat at the table in the house, that, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard that, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So that's the first step to seeing, is accepting Jesus and beginning your walk, admitting you're a sinner. You know, many walk around claiming they can see, but they don't realize truly that they're blind. And you can relate this to 1 John chapter 1, verse 8, where scripture says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Many believe they have no problem, that they have no sin. But those of us who see know that we are not without sin. So when you move on to 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, the word of God says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Note how that verse right there compares to what I was referring to earlier from Revelation 3.18 in terms of the white garments. That's the cleansing, and further, it is the forgiveness and healing from unrighteousness. You know, it's the forgiveness of our iniquities. He's washing our stained linen with his blood and refining us and bringing us back to him. He's healing us from our transgressions against him. And this is what I meant by accepting all of the testimony of Jesus Christ. And that too means you believe that he heals. You see, we accept the full testimony of Jesus by accepting we're not perfect, especially when we're left to our own devices, and we realize we need a Savior to heal us and protect us. And when we live in accordance to his will, he is established in our hearts. The contrary is the quote-unquote healthy person who thinks they don't need a doctor, or in the case of this teaching, a Savior. They don't think they sin because they're too blind to see that they actually do. And let me tell you, it isn't just those who won't accept the testimony of Jesus Christ. There are many Christians out there who think they do no wrong, when in reality, they too are deceived, like I was saying at the beginning of this podcast. You know, when we move further on in 1 John chapter 1 and go to verse 10, Scripture says, If we say that we have not sinned, we make him, that's God, a liar, and his word is not in us. The same, we can also look to Matthew chapter 6, verses 22 through 23, where Jesus was talking about the light in someone versus the darkness in them. Starting on verse 22, the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, 
your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great that darkness is. You know, in other words, that's those who think they have no darkness. They're calling God a liar and have an element of pride because that's the demonstration as to how spiritually blind and deaf they really are. They don't truly have the light of Jesus Christ within them. And so therefore they think that they're doing no wrong and they don't need a savior or they don't believe because they think they can do everything by their own will. And that's just simply not the case. They're going to find out at one time or another. Now, those of us who do know that we are not without sin, we hear his voice and we know what he expects of us. We are true believers in Jesus Christ. He is our true shepherd. He leads his sheep. And on the point of the Lord's sheep being able to hear him, we look to the book of John, chapter 10, which I will play for you now, about the sheep being able to hear the shepherd's voice. The book of John, chapter 10, The Good Shepherd and His Sheep. I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold, rather than going through the gate, must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. Those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant, so he explained it to them. I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him, and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep, and they know me, just as my father knows me, and I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep, too, that are not in this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock with one shepherd. The Father loves me because I sacrifice my life so I may take it back again. No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily. For I have the authority to lay it down when I want to, and also to take it up again. For this is what my Father has commanded. When he said these things, the people were again divided in their opinions about him. Some said, he's demon-possessed and out of his mind. Why listen to a man like that? Others said, this doesn't sound like a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Jesus claims to be the Son of God. It was now winter, and Jesus was in Jerusalem at the time of Hanukkah, the festival of dedication. He was in the temple walking through the section known as Solomon's Colonnade. The people surrounded him and asked, How long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus replied, I have already told you, and you don't believe me. The proof is the work I do in my Father's name. 
But you don't believe me because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me, for my Father has given them to me, and he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. Once again, the people picked up stones to kill him. Jesus said, At my Father's direction, I have done many good works. For which one are you going to stone me? They replied, We're stoning you not for any good work, but for blasphemy. You, a mere man, claim to be God. Jesus replied, It is written in your own scriptures that God said to certain leaders of the people, I say you are gods, and you know that the scriptures cannot be altered. So if those people who received God's message were called gods, why do you call it blasphemy when I say I am the Son of God? After all, the Father set me apart and sent me into the world. Don't believe me unless I carry out my Father's work. But if I do His work, believe in the evidence of the miraculous works I have done even if you don't believe me. Then you will know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. Once again they tried to arrest him, but he got away and left them. He went beyond the Jordan River, near the place where John was first baptizing, and stayed there a while, and many followed him. John didn't perform miraculous signs, they remarked to one another, but everything he said about this man has come true, and many who were there believed in Jesus. You know, the unbelief is why there is so much sin, because many choose to believe instead that the Lord's word is just a myth, and they don't accept it. I mean, that's just the way, that's the way some people believe. That's what they think. That's why they cannot see, and that's why they can't hear. They can't hear a shepherd, because they can't even see that they're being lied to. They won't even accept the truth of Jesus Christ. No, they cannot see, because they cannot hear the calling of their God. They instead have chosen idols and every lie that Satan spoon-feeds to them, and as a result, God sends them on their path of destruction. And that's why no matter how hard you try sometimes to point out that even though the lies don't make sense, they won't accept it, because they have believed in their chosen deception rather than the truth in Jesus Christ, that the true sheep believe. This is why they're so willing to defend their lie, even at the cost of persecuting those around them, that they, quote, say they love, but then don't act like it, and their actions are anything but love. This is what you're seeing right now, folks. You know, the Lord told us in his word through his apostles that this is how it would be in the last days. Scripture is simply being fulfilled as it was written, and we're on the verge of the lawless one being revealed, and that is the man of lawlessness who is under control of Satan and does his works and deceives many. Everything you've seen up until now is a preview of that. You know, the falling away, everything being removed that was good. You know, Paul told us about that in Second Thessalonians 2, verses 3 through 12. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And now you know it is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, 
whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan, with all power, signs, and lying wonders. That's exactly where it is now. The spirit has already been in the works. And this is why those of us who know can see it, because we can hear the Lord. We can see. We're not spiritually blinded. We're not spiritually deaf. But, you know, moving on to verse 10. And with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. That's what I've been covering so far throughout this whole podcast, guys. Verse 11. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. You know, in other words, those doing the persecuting, they think that they're on the winning team. They're on a slippery path. And if they don't repent, if they don't believe, if they don't come to salvation, they're on a slippery path to hell, sorry to say. That's not judging, that's just what the word says. Further, moving on in 2 Peter 3, starting on verse 3, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willfully forget, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of water and in the water, by which the world that then existed perished being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So, you know, where we're concerned as believers, we're perplexed, for lack of a better word, on how many can believe the insanity, even as it's smacking them right in the face. But, you know, Scripture tells us we're not in the dark about these things as believers. Because we believe the testimonies and prophecies of Jesus, as well as his apostles and prophets. You know, 1 Thessalonians 5, starting on verse 1. Now concerning how and when all this will happen, dear brothers and sisters, we don't really need to write you. For you know quite well that the day of the Lord's return will come unexpectedly like a thief in the night. When people are saying, everything is peaceful and secure, then disaster will fall on them as suddenly as a pregnant woman's labor pains begin and there will be no escape. But you aren't in the dark about these things, dear brothers and sisters, and you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a feath, for you are children of the light and of the day. We don't belong to darkness and night. So be on your guard, not asleep like others. Stay alert and be clear-headed. Night is the time when people sleep and drinkers get drunk. But let us who live in the light be clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith and love, and wearing as our helmet the confidence in our salvation. For God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his anger on us. Christ died for us so that, whether we are dead or alive, when he returns, we can live with him forever. So encourage each other and build each other up, just as you are already doing. 
And that is the rub right there, folks. That's how we have discernment, because we have the truth of Christ in us. Therefore, we have the Holy Spirit. We don't belong to the world. Whereas those who don't believe the lies of the world, which is why we are persecuted. You know, we're also told that that's why the world doesn't love us, because we don't belong to the world. And that's what I was talking about earlier, guys, when I was mentioning, you know, he's being patient. He wants everybody to come to repentance. He wants them to wash their stained garments in his blood and come away from unbelievers, which I've talked about before. You know, we move on to verse 10, 2 Peter 3. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat, both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. That is all the evil that is in the earth. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of godly persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, and this goes back to the garments, Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, without spot and blameless, and consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you. And folks, that's the wisdom given by the Holy Spirit, because you believe you have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is laid out in the book of John, chapter 15, where we start. This is where Jesus talks about the vine and remaining in him, and that remaining in him, we have his spirit on us. Let's take a listen. The book of John, chapter 15, Jesus, the true vine. I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in His love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me. I chose you 
I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command. Love each other. The World's Hatred If the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own if you belonged to it, but you are no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world, so it hates you. Do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than the master. Since they persecuted me, naturally they will persecute you. And if they had listened to me, they would listen to you. They will do all this to you because of me, for they have rejected the one who sent me. They would not be guilty if I had not come and spoken to them, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Anyone who hates me also hates my father. If I hadn't done such miraculous signs among them that no one else could do, they would not be guilty. But as it is, they have seen everything I did, yet they still hate me and my father. This fulfills what is written in their scriptures. They hated me without cause. But I will send you the Advocate, the Spirit of Truth. He will come to you from the Father and will testify all about me. And you must also testify about me because you have been with me from the beginning of my ministry. And because they did not have the Father in them, because they did not accept the testimony of Jesus, they believed the lies. They didn't have the Holy Spirit. The Advocate is given to those with faith, with those who have true faith and believe the full testimonies, as I was quoting at the beginning of this podcast. You cannot have one without the other. People think that you have to be baptized to have the Holy Spirit. And while that's the proper way of doing things, according to the Word, that's not the end-all be-all. It doesn't mean you're going to hell just because you never had a proper baptism. I mean, this day and age, I mean, I remember last year a lot of people were getting freaked out because they couldn't find someone to baptize them due to COVID. And I told a dear sister of mine at the time, I said, it's what you believe in your heart. It's what you accept in your heart. It's whether you truly accept the testimony of Jesus Christ and what his word says, and you live for him. He can do the rest and meet you where you are. He knows who's wicked and he knows who belong to him. And that's what you have to remember, that those who accept the testimony, they're going to be hated because they live for him. It's written in scripture. But we move on to John 16, so as to highlight this. The book of John, chapter 16. I have told you these things so that you won't abandon your faith, for you will be expelled from the synagogues, and the time is coming when those who kill you will think they are doing a holy service for God. This is because they have never known the Father or me. Yes, I'm telling you these things now, so that when they happen, you will remember my warning. I didn't tell you earlier because I was going to be with you for a while longer. The Work of the Holy Spirit But now I am going away to the one who sent me, and not one of you is asking where I am going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the Advocate won't come. If I do go away then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. 
There is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own, but will tell you what He has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever He receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said, The Spirit will tell you whatever He receives from me. Sadness will be turned to joy. In a little while, you won't see me anymore. But a little while after that, you will see me again. Some of the disciples asked each other, What does he mean when he says, In a little while you won't see me, but then you will see me, and I am going to the Father? And what does he mean by a little while? We don't understand. Jesus realized they wanted to ask him about it. So he said, Are you asking yourselves what I meant? I said, In a little while you won't see me, but a little while after that you will see me again. I tell you the truth, you will weep and mourn over what is going to happen to me, but the world will rejoice. You will grieve, but your grief will suddenly turn to wonderful joy. It will be like a woman suffering the pains of labor. When her child is born, her anguish gives way to joy because she has brought a new baby into the world. So you have sorrow now, but I will see you again. Then you will rejoice, and no one can rob you of that joy. At that time, you won't need to ask me for anything. I tell you the truth, you will ask the Father directly, and He will grant you a request because you use my name. You haven't done this before. Ask using my name, and you will receive, and you will have abundant joy. I have spoken of these matters in figures of speech, but soon I will stop speaking figuratively and will tell you plainly all about the Father. Then you will ask in my name. I'm not saying I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you dearly because you love me and believe that I came from God. Yes, I came from the Father into the world, and now I will leave the world and return to the Father. Then his disciples said, At last you are speaking plainly and not figuratively. Now we understand that you know everything, and there's no need to question you. From this we believe that you came from God. Jesus asked, Do you finally believe? But the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now when you will be scattered, each one going his own way, leaving me alone. Yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart, because I have overcome the world. And that is why we have nothing to fear nothing to worry about, no matter how much we're hated by the unbelieving or no matter what tribulations we experience. We have the love of Christ in our hearts, and because he overcame the world when he died for our sins, this is a gift to all who believe in his testimony. The unbelieving do not understand this because they have been blinded by the evil one and all the sin of the world. And that is what Jesus meant when he said, The time is coming when those who kill you will think they are doing a holy service for God. This is because they have never known the Father or me. And I have witnessed that firsthand with people I've known. Folks, we on the other hand, we know our God. We know our Lord. He is our rock. He is our Savior. We nail our sins to the cross, and we pick up that cross to walk after him every day. His advocate, the Holy Spirit, is with us always. 
And it is the Holy Spirit that provides discernment, so we are not lost like those who are of unbelief. We know right from wrong, we serve others, we live in love, and we live in mercy, because we know who we answer to. We hate evil, and we maintain that which is good. Proverbs 8.13 says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance, and the evil way, and the perverse mouth I hate. You know people by the fruit they bear, the works they do. Those who do not believe, or have rejected the truth, and choose to disregard what is good, are those who are of the unbelieving and the wicked. They are known as the ones calling good evil and calling evil good. They are forgetting it is God who is in charge and made the heavens and the earth and will destroy all that's wicked. You know, everyone asks why the Lord is holding out on doing something about those who are nasty to us or persecute us, and it's because of the Lord's mercy. But that mercy, guys, is not going to be extended forever. And it is for that reason I played John 15 in regards to the vine and remaining in the teachings of Jesus, as we do not want to be found among those who do the opposite of his teachings and deserve judgment. You know, those who do not, they have no fear of God. And this, my friends, is where I'm going to leave it today. And I actually just dropped a hint there in case you caught it. So until next time, my friends, discern the times, remain in him, stay safe out there, and may Jesus bless you all while you stand firm in your faith and still in his presence. Have a great weekend, everyone.